Welcome to C3 Church Tugra. Thank you for listening to one of our great messages. Get ready to be inspired to live your best life. Everybody has a story. Everybody has a story. And in this church, and I hope in every church, stories are valued. Lives are valued. And, you know, I think as we know each other's stories, it makes us just be a family more. This morning, Luke Boyd shared so powerfully. Luke, honestly, is such an incredible preacher, such an incredible guy this morning about growing in love and knowing love first and and we talked about how incredible it is just to be transparent with one another how we don't have to be fake or that we can be real with one another and just love one another for what we are so tonight i want you to accept a new brother into our family who's come down from cairns to be with us to live here god sent him i know that and his beautiful wife beck and their new little baby that's coming soon not too soon but soon and we're just so honoured to have him here. And tonight, we asked Ra to share his story with you. He's an incredible guy. He's quite a profound man of God. And we're just going to welcome him up now. In Jesus' name, welcome him as a family member. Thank you. Please be seated. Thanks, guys. Um. Hi, my name's Ra. How are you? Is he well? Um, I, before I want to, before I start sharing my story, I just want to say a big thank you and I just want to acknowledge, uh, the team here. Uh, I'd like to acknowledge the, the worship team because they just do an amazing job every single week. I want to acknowledge the, the, the young preachers, you know, Lukey and, and Garth and, 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 uh, Pastor Phil and Julie because, you know, they, they come every week with a word and they feed us and, 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 and we grow because of them. We grow, we grow because of their sacrifice and their willingness to go into the word when we're out surfing or doing whatever we want to do. So thank you. Thank you, team. Thank you very much. Okay. I'll, let me just do this first. Okay. As you know, as you probably have, would have guessed, um, I'm from New Zealand, from New Zealand. And um, I've been over here since 1999, but back in New Zealand, I was, I was raised in a really small rural community, like I'm talking like Hicksville, I'm talking really small rural town, where um, we, 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 I was raised in a, in, a, uh, in, a, in a sort of humble kind of a way, where we, we, we kind of had to milk the cow before and after school to get milk, and my grandmother used to turn the cream into butter. Um, yeah, I'm not joking. We stayed, we, we didn't have cold water in our house growing up in New Zealand. We only had a cold tap. Uh, and, uh, that, that was quite often quite cold in winter. Um, we had cows, we had chickens, we had all those kinds of things. Basically, we grew up with very simple sort of, uh, means. That's the kind of, um, environment I grew up in. We used to wash our clothes in the river with those big long sunlight soaps. Anybody remember those? Yes, we used to break them up and they used to be our dishwashing liquid and clothes, everything actually. So I came from very meager, sort of a very meager upbringing, and along with being poor came with insecurities, and they came with all these kinds of things. Um, I also grew up in a family of eight. I was, a, I was the eldest boy of eight children, 
And my mum was one of 21 children. Yeah, yeah, 21 children, um, no twins, all to the same guy. Those are the questions I get asked all the time. So I have 186 first cousins. Yes. 186 first cousins. I grew up, with, you know, I think I've said 186 first cousins and um, with a solo mum. And, and unfortunately, I never knew my dad. And the only male influences I had in my life were my uncles. My uncles were good, tough, old news. You know, they were sort of, they weren't the best influence, I must say. In fact, my uncles were ex-hitmen. They used to, yeah, they were hitmen. And so I'm just trying to give you a background of the kind of environment that I grew up in. It was very poor. There was a lot of violence. There was a lot of alcoholism. And um, so I grew up as a young man being quite staunch and being quite um, cold-hearted and very, very standoffish. You know, a lot of insecurities, and I'd try and scare people off by being gruff and stuff. Uh, one day, one day when I was 22 years of age, I was, uh, I was, I was, I was with my girlfriend and I thought I was going to marry this girl. I was with my girlfriend, I was asleep, we we're going to bed and I was just a normal type of guy. I wasn't into Jesus. I liked drinking. I liked going parties. I liked every now and then to get into a bit of trouble, you know, in, in bars and stuff like that. And, um, and I was sleeping one night and we were sleeping in the room and I had this encounter with God. I wasn't a Christian. Far from it, in fact. But I had this dream, and in this dream, we were at our beach. And my beach is a big sloping hill that goes down to this large stretch of, uh, of beach. And in this dream, um, uh, I was standing at the, at the beach, and, 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 and uh, the world started to shake. The whole world started to shake. And, and I don't know if you've shaken a glass of water, but it was like the whole ocean started to shake. And everyone's shaking in this dream, and, 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 it's, and it's really, really scary. And... Um, and what happens is I understand in this dream that it, this is the end of the world. And, and, and so people start screaming and they start running back up this hill. And in my dream, the ocean starts forming hands and it starts grabbing people's legs and whipping them back into the ocean. And so I'm running up this hill scared for my life in this dream. I'm running up this hill and I'm scared and I'm scared and I'm running up and I see people, you know, the, the ocean forming hands and grabbing people. And, ah! All this kind of, as they're screaming as they're going past. And it's the scariest thing. You know, I've seen some scary things in my time, but it was the scariest thing I'd ever encountered. And I get to this top of this hill, and the whole earth is shaking. You can, you can imagine there's thousands of people, and you can hear the anguish, and you hear the screams, and children being trampled. It was very, very, it was a very vivid and horrific dream. And, um, and the whole earth shaking. I know it's the end of the world. And, and I managed to get to this top of this hill, and I hide in this hole, and, and I'm, and I'm scared, and I'm, and I'm terrified, and I'm, freaking out, and, and this whole earth is shaking, and everyone, no one can, I'm thinking, wow, this is the end of the world. And all of a sudden, it stops. And, and I wait for a little bit, and I, I crawl out of this hole, and I think, and I think to myself, as a non-Christian guy who, who lived the life that I did, I think to myself, wow, that was the end of the world, and I wasn't ready with Christ. I wasn't right with Christ. And I look down at my hand, and I've got a Bible in my hand. And um, I look up, and I see thousands and thousands of people coming out, coming out of their little hiding places and they're cheering. Has anyone seen Armageddon? You know, when they're at the end and they're all cheering and yeah, it's kind of like that. And everyone's hugging and, and, and you know, there's tears of joy and stuff. And I've got this Bible in my hand and I suddenly understand that it was my job to get up and get these people right with Jesus. So I climb on the back of a truck and I start yelling out, hey, hey, you gotta, you gotta, you know, I've got the Bible up in the air and I'm trying to preach to these guys and no one's listening and I'm yelling and no one's listening and I'm yelling and no one's listening and I'm yelling. And people are trying to hug me, and I'm like, get out, get out of here, I'm trying to preach the gospel here, non-Christian. And 
what happens is eventually these people, like, like they get the better of me. I think if I just hug them, just for a second, I can stop what I'm doing. Just hug them, they'll get rid of them, I can go back to doing what I'm doing. And as soon as I pull the Bible down to go and hug them, it all starts again. The world starts to shake. And in my dream, my heart drops and my heart is, 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 is incredibly heavy because I knew in my dream, this is a dream, in my mind in this dream, I knew that I had a window of opportunity to preach the gospel, but I got distracted. I got distracted just for a second. And because of that, all of these people weren't going to go to heaven. Heavy dream, huh? So now people are screaming and running all over the place again. And, 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 um, I'll try and speed it up for time's sake, but, but basically what happens is everyone's running around and they're running past me and my heart's heavy and I've got these heavy feet and I'm walking toward the ocean again. I'm on top of this plateaued hill overlooking the ocean and, and, um, what happens is that the ocean opens up and the enemy comes out on the black horse with wings and he starts flying along this, the horizon coming toward us. And I know what he's doing. He's coming to get the peeps who I didn't preach to. So I'm really, really sad, and I'm and I'm sitting there, and this thing just really sad. And the devil comes up, and he's and he's on his flying horse, and he's right opposite me, and he's there, and he's mocking me, he's laughing at me, he's saying, "You got distracted. Now come to get these people. It's your fault." And so, and my, I just I, all of a sudden I realize I've got to look him in the eye. I look him in the eye, and as soon as I do, I wake up, and it's three o'clock in the morning, bang on three o'clock in the morning. It's pitch black, and I'm shaking in this bed. And I'm shaking, and the girlfriend at the time who I thought I was going to marry, she said, what's the matter? I said, I think I need to go to church. And she goes, okay, and fell instantly back to sleep. I thought that was the weirdest thing in the world. And as, and as clear as day, and I tell, I'm not exaggerating, as clear as day, this voice spoke to me. And he says, choose, me or her. And I'm sitting there on this bed back in New Zealand in Auckland, and I'm sitting on this bed, and I'm speaking to this voice at 3 o'clock in the morning, it's pitch black, and I, and I thought about it, and I didn't know who, now I know who it was, but back then I was like, who was God? And I said, I said out loud, I said, well, I don't know you. I don't know who you are. And I'm going to marry this girl, so I choose her. Bang. Peace. Just, everything stops. I've got peace. I'm no longer scared. Two days later, she broke up with me. <laughs> yeah. Who knows that, you know, even God can get in the way of yourself sometimes. He knows, right? So she broke up with me, and I moved to Australia. I moved to Australia and, and I was walking around with this broken heart and, you know, feeling sorry for myself. And the funny thing was, I'd forgotten about the dream because, you know, my heart was broken and la, la, la. So I forgot about this dream and I'm walking along and everywhere I went, I found Christians coming up to me. Crazy Christians would come up to me and say, hi, how you going? You know, that they start witnessing to me. I'm like, what? Get, get the heck out of my face. What you? So I'd do this and everywhere I went, I'd have these crazy Christians coming up to me and trying to talk to me about Jesus. I'm like, what is this? This is crazy, you know, because I was too self-indulged or whatever you want to call it. I was so sad and, uh, get away from me. And they were doing plays on, on the side of the road. I'll be walking down George Street in, in Sydney and, and they would race across and say, you've got a big call of God in your life. And I'm thinking, what is, what is with this place of Australia? There's got crazy Christians everywhere. Long story short, um, one day I walk into a perfume shop. This is about four months being in Australia. I walk into a perfume shop. I, don't ask me why. And, uh, <laughs> And there's this really pretty girl in there. So I do my best Joey Tribbiani, and I said, how are you doing? <laughs> so I speak to this girl, and she, I said, so does it get busy in here? And she says, well, I, I don't really know. She says, I only work the weekends. So I put two and two together, and I said, oh, are you a student? She says, yeah. I said, what are you studying? She says, the Bible, and puts the Bible up. Yeah, yeah. 
<laughs> You'd think I'd learn, right? No. Anyway, so, and I, so I said, oh, really? I said, I've been meaning to go to church. And she goes, yeah. I said, yeah, I have. Yeah, I've really been thinking about it. And she goes, well, that's great. Here's my number. And I thought, and she goes, here's, here's my mobile. She says, give me a call and I'll take you to this church. And she wrote this church down. She gave it to me and I thought, still got it. Eh, walked out of there, still got it. Girls, get the girls. Isn't that right, Pastor Phil? Um, and, um, and so, and so one night after, one night after a party and, 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 at this place, I was coming back and I thought, you know what? I'm going to go and check out this church and see if this girl's there. So I walk into this church. Think, trying to look for this, this girl, you know what I mean? And, um, which by the way, we, we become really good friends afterwards. Not that kind of friend, but really good friends afterwards. But I walk into this, walk into this church and, 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 the, and the, all these people, and this, this group of young girls run up to me, like 12 year olds. Hi, how are you doing? And they start talking to me really funny. Remember, I'm the staunch kind of, you know, this kind of guy. And church starts and it's all this happy, clappy music and guys jumping up and down. And there's this girl with curly hair who starts jumping like this and flicking it around. And I'm going, what the heck's going on here? You know, I'd been to a Catholic church as a young fellow, but there was nothing like this. And they're all going around, and, and it's, really, it's really a bit crazy. I must say, coming off the street, walking to a Pentecostal church, and people spinning around and clapping and doing all these waving of hands, hallelujah. And, and I'm thinking, what's going on here? And they're all clapping, and I thought, there is no way in the world they will get me to clap. And this little girl named Teresa, she tugs on my thing, and she goes, clap. What's that clapping? You know, you know, you know. And, um, basically, you know, the, the, the pastor did a, did a uh, salvation message and I, and I didn't want to put my hand up, but it was up there and I wasn't, it was just there and I was just thinking, what are you doing? And, and I went down and I got saved. It, it was a beautiful thing. When I got radically saved, it was beautiful. I felt a beautiful peace of God and, 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 uh, and that was the start of my journey. And I started going to church and, and, and I didn't have a very good start as a Christian, I must admit. I, um, I started going to church and, and I must have been two, maybe two or three weeks, and, I, and they started the new Christians course. So I jumped in. Yeah, I wanted to be, in, you know, I'll, I'll do the course. So I did the new Christian course. And one night, on a, we were walking down Darling Harbour, me, my cousin, and, and another guy, and I was in the middle of them. And as I'm walking down Darling Harbour, a complete stranger, non-provoked, runs up behind me and hits me on the back of the head with a bar. Yeah, that's what I thought. No, I didn't actually. And so I was out. I was out like. Like, it was a pretty bad hit. Like, blood was bubbling out of my ears. It was a really horrific kind of... I don't remember any of it. And um, all I know is I woke up in the hospital and I see... And this doctor's just nodding at me. He's, like, like freaking out. He's like, mate, you should not be alive. And he kept saying... And he's walking the pace in the room, you know, doing these doctor sort of things. He says, you should not be alive. And I'm sitting in the bed wondering where the heck I am. But he says this about maybe 15 times. You should not be alive, man. And he's, and he's really perplexed about... Uh, me being alive. <laughs> and um, so I didn't tell anyone about it. I kind of just kept, I just asked if they could send the new Christian stuff um, and I'll do it, you know, correspondence kind of deal. I can't come to church. I'm busy with work. I didn't tell anyone in the church. And um, after about three weeks, because I couldn't stand because my middle ear, my brain had swelled so much that it threw up my middle ear and I couldn't stand. So I was, I was bedridden for a couple of weeks. And, um, and it, you know, it wasn't a great start to my Christian walk. And um, the day that I could go back to church happened to be the day of baptisms. They were doing baptisms. So I rock on up, you know, after about two or three weeks out of church, I rock on up and it's baptism time. And they said, you know, 
you know, Jesus, you know, God spoke to Jesus that time, so I expect a really cool word, you know. So I rock on up there and I go and get baptized and, and, and the guy, the guy says to me, he says, Jesus really loves you. That's not a good word. Like, I already knew that, you know. I was like, I was kind of disappointed. I was like, I was expecting something like massive. And, and I start walking back in and I see this, it was at a beach, you see, it was a long stretch of beach. And I start walking back in and this old lady starts pulling up her dress and starts walking out toward me. A lady I've never seen before in my life. I think, what's going on here? And so I'm, I'm like, she's walking here, so I dodge, and she starts coming. I start doing this, one. you know, varicose veins and everything, walking toward me. And I'm thinking, what's going on here? You know, I'm doing, doing these things. She's, and she comes up to me, this complete stranger. She says, hi. She said, I've just got a word from God. I said, oh, cool. And I was still a bit scared. And I was still like a brand new Christian. And she says, she says something very profound that stuck with me for the rest of my life. She says, the devil's trying to kill you. She says, I don't know what it is, but it's something to do with the back of your head. He's, he's attacked the back of your head, and he's sent an envoy to go out and kill you, and to take you out as a, as a young seed, as a young Christian. And um, she said, I don't know what that means. She said, it's a very strange word, but she said, it's back of my head. She said, something to do with the back of your head. She said, but the, the devil's trying to take you out as a young seed. And she said, and he almost succeeded. She said, she, he almost, and I'm sitting there like dumbfounded. And she said, he almost succeeded, but she said in the 11th hour, she says, God stood in the front, in between you and the devil. She said, in the 11th hour, God stood in between you and the devil and says, leave him alone. He's my son. And I got work for him to do. And, you know, that blew me away because all of a sudden God became real. All of a sudden God wasn't ethereal, he became real because that was just, too far out there, if you know what I mean. And so, um, so four months later, I, I started to do Bible college. Four months as a, you know, I was, I was a Christian for about five months. I started full-time Bible college and at, at, at Oxford Falls, and 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 that was all cool. And I really enjoyed Oxford Falls; it was the most amazing trip. And I went there. That's two thousand, and I started getting to leadership. I started getting to ministry, and everything started working out. You know, they said, "Mate, would you like to? We've got four teenagers. Would you like to sort of try and start a youth group?" I said, "Yeah, sure." So, you know, I didn't know what I was doing. I was still a really young Christian and, and nothing. So I thought, we'll give it a crack. We'll give it anything a crack. Because I love the house of God. I love the house of God. I said, we'll give it a go. Yeah, sure, I'll do it. Let's go. And so as I did that, like, um, we started with four people and, and, and started praying and started. And I was fasting a day, a day a week for about a year with these guys. And it just grew. It just grew exponentially. Like within three months, this, these four people had turned to 30. And, and, uh, within six months, I had a hundred, hundred kids coming to this youth ministry. And I'm, I don't know what I'm doing. Like, seriously, it wasn't, it wasn't anything I did. I didn't know what I was doing. And, um, and it was all good. It was a great. And, and, and had a hundred kids and, and had, you know, Maddie Corby. He was out, he was my little worship leader, Maddie Corby and, and that kind of deal. And, and, and church life was really good. Church life was amazing. And, and we had some, just some beautiful things going on. People getting healed, people getting saved, you know, we're, we're getting like 20 salvations a night at times. And, a lot of backs, we had a big back door because I didn't know how to plug up the back door, but people were getting saved, 20, 20 salvations a night, and, and, and I didn't know what I was doing, and, and I just kept doing it, and, um, then all of a sudden our church went through a bit of a church split. We had some politics go on, we had some things going on, and, and our church split, and, um, and, uh, it was one of the hardest things I've ever been through is, is, is when a church splits because what happened is it wasn't this, it kind of happened over a long period of time, meaning a family would leave like once a month 
And um, so it just dragged on and on and on and on. And it was quite heartbreaking because a lot of children that you'd invested in were just, were just leaving with their parents because they were disgruntled for whatever reasons. And um, it was really hard. Those, those days are really hard because cause you, 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 as, as some of you pastors know, you give, you give it your all. I was, I was um, up at 5 a.m. in the morning and going to sleep at 11 o'clock at night for, for years and years and years just trying to get this thing going. And, and, um, and it was one of the hardest times of my life. And, and all of a sudden, all of a sudden, as, as our church starts to dwindle, I start getting asked to go do youth conferences around, around the country. And, and, and so our church is on the decline, but all of a sudden I'm getting asked to go and be the main speaker in Tasmania. You may speak in South Africa, oh, South Africa, um, South Australia. And, and I'm getting asked to speak to these things all over the country, Ballina a couple of times and, and cost just all these places. And it really, really, it really confused me. It really confused me because I didn't know what was going on. I felt out of place because some of these places that I was speaking to, their youth ministry is bigger than our church now. And I felt really, really out of place. I thought, what am I, what are you doing, guys? Like, what am I doing here? Talking to these guys. These guys should be at my church speaking to me. And it was this really confusing thing that was happening. And, 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 um, all of a sudden I'm getting these, these amazing things and, you know, opportunities to speak. And, you know, I'm having lunch with, having lunch with and speaking inside Judah Smith, you know, you know, like what? You know, feeling really out of place, having group dinners with Pastor Phil and, and, and Steve Munzies and, and John Bevere. And I'm thinking, and I'd always hide, I'd hide in the background and kind of, because I always felt out of place because of what was going on in our church. I always felt like I was, what am I doing here, God? Like, what am I doing here? What have you got me doing here? And I'd, I'd go back into my room and I'd weep and I'd cry and, and, and I'd, I'd say, God, I'd give all of this up right now if you would just heal my church. And, and it would, it was heartbreaking because I'd out there speaking to these guys and they were cheering and everything and there's growth going on there. Yet my church was, was, was dying. My church was going, going through, you know, the worst. And, and I really, really messed my head actually. I was like, I'd give it up any day, God. Stop this. Don't, I don't want to speak there. I want you to heal my church. And, um, Unfortunately, it didn't happen, and and so I stayed in that church for nine years, uh, serving every single week, week in, week out, and 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 going through all, all the stuff that you're going through. And I couldn't leave the church because because above all else, above all the stuff that was going on, above all that kind of thing, I I, I really wanted to. The main thing that kept me going to church was the fact that when the day came when I stood before my God, I wanted to say that I'd given my everything. I didn't want to say I, I, I walked out halfway. And, and so I stayed in that place for nine years and it wasn't very healthy and it wasn't very nice. But, but, you know, I stayed there because I want to say to God, like, I've given it my all, God. I've stood, I've done my best I could. And until one day, until one day, um, a few major things happened and, and, and I, and I'd had enough. And, and, um, and I actually walked away from church. I said, that's it. I've had enough. This is too much, God. Way too much. And, um, I went into the mines. And I just tried to hide. I ran from God the best I could. And as per usual, everywhere I went, there were Christians. Everywhere I went, there were Christians. And I went to the mines and I was really disgruntled with God. I was really disgruntled with church. I was disgruntled with everything that was going on. And I, and I, um, and I actually said to God, I will never preach your word again. I actually, I actually said to God, I said, I will never preach your word again because it's just not worth it. If, if, 
and, and I made that vow to God and I, and I spoke to him and, and, and we were in the mines together, God and I. I was still speaking to God, but I, I couldn't stand church. And I, um, I was there f- for a little while and every, every time I'd read my Bible, God would say, go back. No. And so the next day I'd read my Bible, God would say, go back. And, and this went on every single day. Go back, no. Go back, no. Jonah, go back, no. Go back, right, no. Go back, no. All the time. Then I said, okay, I'll go back if you do this thing. And he did it. And I still said, no, I'm not going back. What a naughty little child, eh? <laughs> Seriously. And then it kept going. And this happened for ages. It was all, like every day for, I think, about a year. Go back, no. Go back, no. Because oh, I was hurt. I was really hurt. And I was really... There's a lot of pain going on. There's a lot of questions. I had a big faith crash. I'm like, why did you give me vision if you weren't going to fulfill it? And all these little questions going on in my head. And, and basically, I, I, I'd given up on the whole thing. And, and God said, go back. No, go back. No, go back. No. So one day, he says, go back. And I said, all right. It was on a Thursday, I remember. And I was sitting in my little donga. A donga is like a little cubicle that you sleep in in the mind. I'm sitting in my, I said, all right. I said, I'll go back. If you pay off my mum's house, because I was paying off my mum's house, that was justifying myself being there. I said, I'll go back if you pay off my mum's house and you get me a wife. I was single, I was single the whole, my whole Christian life and, you know, doing ministry alone is not, not fun and, and I was, and all that kind of stuff. So it was a Thursday and I was due to fly back and arrive in Sydney on the Saturday. And on the Saturday, I was arriving back because it was my mate's farewell. He was going back to New Zealand. And um, it was also his 40th. And um, I turn up there, and there's this beautiful, gorgeous girl. And I've, I've, I'd known Rebecca previously, because three years before, I'd actually asked Rebecca out. Three years before, I'd said, how are you doing? <laughs> and three years before, she did the American attitude thing. She said, oh, no, you didn't. And she turned me down. She didn't do it like that, but. Three years before what had happened is I'd actually asked Rebecca out and, um, and she turned me down <laughs> because she was going overseas. She was going overseas. And so I rocked up to this 40th, you know, and, and uh, you know, this is like two days before I'm praying God get me a wife and pray off my mum's house. And I rock up to this 40th and I see Rebecca and, and we start talking, we start chatting and she puts on that beautiful smile and I was gone. I was history. And, uh, and, um, you know, it was a, it was a beautiful thing. And, and as you, the rest is history there, as you can tell. So that was a Saturday night. On the Monday night, I go to my mum's house, and she says, look what I got. I said, what is it? She said, I just got a check in the mail for $33,000. I said, what? You know? She said, yeah, and I checked it, and it was, it was exactly to the dollar what mum had to pay off in her house. Praise God. Yeah. So I said, uh, okay, I guess I'm moving back to Sydney. Yeah, I'm, I'm coming back. So I can't, and then, and then mum goes, I think I'll go on a really big long holiday. I'm like, I know what this money's for. I'm thinking, no, no, you've got to, I'm thinking, you've got to pay the house. That's what this money's for. You got to, and then I was about to say it to her and I thought, no, God, I said, I asked you to sort this out. I said, I was about to tell her, no, you can't, this is for the house. And I said, no, God, I asked you to sort this out. So what happens is, is um, I leave it, and uh, the next morning, my little sister wakes up, and she walks over to mum, and she goes, Mum, she says, I just had this dream, and someone told me that you have to pay the house with that money. Mum goes, okay, then. I thought, I'm moving back to Sydney. So that's, you know, 
we moved back. I moved back to Sydney and, and I started my beautiful relationship with Rebecca. We got married and, and, you know, I haven't, um, I haven't really fully got back into, well, I started going to church, but I was just attending and, and it wasn't until we walked in here and, and one night and Pastor Julie came up to me and, um, remember I said I wasn't going to preach again? Well, she came up to me and she prophesied over me and the, one of the first things she said was, who shut your mouth? Who closed your mouth? Who closed your mouth? And I'm like, oh, that was me, you know, that kind of deal. It was kind of me. And, um, and I knew that we had found home. I knew that, that I'd finally found home. And, um, and unfortunately we've, we've, we've kind of run out of time, church, but, but that's sort of been my journey so far. And, um, I guess I want to say that, that, you know, it doesn't matter where you're from. I don't, I, I don't feel like a, I just feel like a normal guy and God just wants to do some great things. And I still feel it hard. I find it hard to get up and speak. I find it really hard to get up and speak, ask my wife. But it doesn't matter where you're from. It doesn't matter what kind of background you've come from. It doesn't matter, you know, if you've made mistakes with God before. I want to tell you tonight that that, that God is still pursuing you. I want to tell you tonight that God is, is, is still after you. God has actually got eyes on you. He's saying, we hope you enjoyed listening to this message for more information on what you've just heard or how to visit us go to c3talgra.org.au we hope to see you at church soon Plus